It's the Atop the Pitbox podcast with your hosts, Zach and Josh. Good evening, Fantasy NASCAR race fans. Welcome to the Atop the Pitbox podcast presented by ParadiseExecutiveProperties.com, your Lake of the Ozark vacation experts. On this episode, we are going to talk about last weekend's race in Atlanta and look ahead to the first road course race of 2023 at Coda. Fellas, how you guys doing? Doing well, doing Zach. Good. How are you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Love the uh, Chase Elliott hat you're wearing, Josh. You look real uh, stellar this evening. It's really sunny in his basement there. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I had to uh, bust out the the Chase Elliott gear, and uh, you know, this is we're doing a NASCAR podcast. Figured I'd have some some NASCAR gear on. So until I get my atop the pit box hat, this is is what I got. Fair enough. Fair enough. First off, just want to thank everybody for listening to this week's episode. We really appreciate you guys tuning in each week. Love the interaction on Twitter on race days and throughout the week. So uh, just really just wanted to say thank you to everybody that's uh, a part of the league. Make sure that if you do like the episodes, tell your friends, people that you know that are in the league that don't listen to the podcast, let them know about it and uh, have them check it out for themselves. And uh, lastly, our fantasy NASCAR team bracket is still going. We are in round three. So make sure that you're checking out Twitter and getting those votes cast for your favorite fantasy NASCAR team names. As we look look at the NASCAR NASCAR. news from this past week, we actually have some pretty big things to talk about. We're going to start with NASCAR dropping the hammer on two organizations, one of them being a big-time organization, uh, for altering the louvers before Phoenix. NASCAR hammered Hendrick Motorsports for modifying the air-deflecting pieces, which are known as the louvers. Uh, They docked all four of its teams and drivers, 100 regular season points, 10 playoff points, and suspended each of their crew chiefs for four races, as well as a $100,000 fine each. So this is the biggest penalty handed down by NASCAR to a single organization. Uh, Colleagues Racing, or Colleague Racing's Justin Haley was also um, received the same penalty with the Louvers. Both teams will appeal, but Hendrick Motorsports did sit all four of their crew chiefs at Atlanta just trying to get ahead of this thing, uh, no matter what the outcome is. Uh, Chad Knaus, who uh, is very high up at Hendrick, used to be the crew chief for Jimmy Johnson, uh, and then went into the management side of things. Uh, He was interviewed at Atlanta, and I thought he had some really telling uh, stories and, and some information in regards to what exactly happened. So I'm going to try to summarize this the best way I can, short and sweet to the point. Uh, essentially, he said, when teams get to the racetrack, they're required to go through a mandatory safety inspection as well as a mandatory engine inspection. Everything else is up to the teams. Well, Hendrick uh, chose to put their cars into a voluntary inspection which teams have a choice on if they want to or not. Uh, and that is where uh, the, the louvers were deemed uh, fishy or incorrect 
or out of compliance. So I thought that was the first interesting piece of this, uh, the whole situation per se. Second, he said the supplier of these louvers is not maintaining a consistent product and said you could go to Hendrick's shop, you could go to any of the other race team shops and pull a set of louvers from their shelf. And he said NASCAR would deem most of them to be illegal, if not all. So I thought that was really interesting as well. Uh, we know that this single uh, part, single source part, uh, has had issues. Teams have raised it to NASCAR. However, NASCAR has not really done anything from what is put out in the media to try to get uh, these things fixed. So I thought that was really, really telling, uh, basically saying, yeah, you can go find any of these louvers at, in a race shop right now. And I think NASCAR would probably deem most of them to be illegal. Uh, he would not go into specifics about what Hendrick did as a team uh, that made these illegal or out of compliance. Uh, but with this information, as well as the information of they were confiscated and found in a voluntary inspection before the cars even took to the track, I think Hendrick has a really, really good chance uh, to win their appeal and, and get these fines and suspensions uh, dropped maybe to two, maybe one. Uh, race for the crew chiefs and, and a points reduction, which is absolutely critical for these race teams right now, uh, based on how big of a hole they are now in and, and have to get out of. It's very interesting to me that NASCAR would provide these parts that uh, don't fit and would be illegal and then punish the teams. So based on that, just if that is true, it's very hard to see a suspension or a punishment as drastic as what was handed down. Obviously they're trying to be consistent. That's what they gave last year. I just, I think like you outlined basically from what Chad can now said there, they have a really good uh, leg to stand on for, for this appeal. Yeah. And, and the big thing to me is, is it was a voluntary inspection this part supplier has had issues in the past. NASCAR is aware of that. And these louvers were taken off the car before the car even hit the track, or at least after practice. They replaced them with different louvers, and they still went out and dominated the race. So to me, I think, that, I, I think Hedrick has a really good chance to appeal. And the big thing to pay attention to is, is so Chase Elliott, based on his injury is already in a, in a must win situation for him to get into the playoffs. Well, Willie Byron has a win. So he, he has two wins. So he's good. Um, Kyle Larson and Alex Bowman were both in really good point situation before this penalty. And after these penalties, they're on the outside looking in, they're well outside the top 16 in points. And based on the hole that they're in, they're almost in a must-win type situation as well, uh, which, again, uh, these teams with their sponsors, the amount of money that is at stake, you've got to get your teams into the playoffs. Uh, and again, they're in a massive hole because of this. So th this appeals process is going to be really, really uh, interesting to see how it plays out. And it's very, very important for, for Hendrick to hopefully get this overturned to reduce uh, from a playoff thought uh, standpoint. 
when will we know the results of the appeal? I think the appeal is set for this week, but I know it's in front. It's it's in front of a three person board. Uh, if you remember last year, there were a couple penalties uh, that went to the appeals panel, and the appeals panel overturned both. Uh, so again, I think there's a really good chance that this gets reduced or or uh, completely changed. Uh, but I think it is this week, if my memory is correct. So we'll keep an eye on that situation and the impact that it has on the playoffs for for Hendrick Cars. But that wasn't the only penalties that uh, NASCAR handed out as they decided to hand out uh, a penalty to Danny Denny Hamlin when he admitted that he uh, wrecked Ross Chastain on his on uh, on his podcast. Yeah, we are in some uncharted territory here, Josh. Uh, NASCAR fined Hamlin $50,000 and penalized him 25 points for admitting to intentionally wrecking Chastain. He originally said he was not going to appeal it on Twitter, and then he said he slept on it. The next day, he decided to change his mind because the email he got from NASCAR and the reason or outlining the reasons why he got uh, penalized uh, basically was completely not what happened according to Denny Hamlin. So he is going to appeal this. We'll see how this plays out as well. But to me, what makes this very unique is that if he would have kept his mouth shut or said it was a racing incident, it sounds like NASCAR would have turned an eye, you know, turned their heads to it and said, yep, it was a racing incident. All, all is fair. But NASCAR decided to take a very subjective stance here. And I think this is going to put them in a really tough situation from here on out to determine if a wreck is intentional, if it was a, or if it was a racing incident and they will have to decide that and, and proceed as is. So a lot of drivers were interviewed. A lot of drivers were not fans of NASCAR stepping in and trying to determine uh, if, if a wreck was intentional because the rule of thumb has been in and it's been for a long time is drivers are in charge of settling things by themselves and NASCAR would step in if they absolutely had to. We've seen multiple wrecks in the past here in the last two, three years, not get penalized, but now NASCAR is stepping in. So what are your thoughts? Uh, it's your boy Hamlin that got penalized. Um, what do you think of this being that this was outside the track or on his podcast where he talked about this and now NASCAR is finding him because of that? So it's interesting that the reason he's getting penalized is because he brought it up on his podcast. So the fact that there wasn't going to be any penalty until he admitted it essentially on his podcast is seems very inconsistent. Jeff Gluck brought up a, a really good point on, on the teardown when he was talking about this. The about the consistency that NASCAR has not shown with this, or this is not consistent with the with previous decisions. And he threw out a couple examples where one being Harvick wrecking Elliott at the Roval in an elimination race, no penalty. Uh Logano at Darlington when he wrecked Byron, he even said it was on purpose, no penalty. So I think it gets a little bit I think where NASCAR gets in trouble is when they start trying to police the gray. And this is is a very 
it's a very subjective thing and and you you just hate to have that be part of the process so where somebody is is, is making a, a, a judgment call on on what happened on the track and using additional information that you know wouldn't normally be be available but hamlin is is trying to entertain he's putting out a podcast he's giving you behind the scenes looks and he told you how it was and nascar didn't like it and and so they they find him so uh i think it's interesting that he has decided to appeal this with the support of joe gibbs and 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 all the top executives so they're behind him which is it's good that he wouldn't just go and do this on his own uh, but he felt strong enough that he needed to make a point and and to to appeal it. I wouldn't be surprised, and I don't know what you think is going to happen, but I bet there's probably some kind of fine, and then they take away the points. I don't think that they can. I just I don't think they can knock him points uh, for for something like this in this situation. Yeah, I would agree. I think I think he's got a decent chance to to win the appeal. I, I do think he he will be fined. Uh, but he has a solid chance to get those points taken away. And and you brought up two examples, and those are the, the exact two examples that I was thinking of, of Logano wrecking Byron for the win at Darlington, said it was on purpose, and Kevin Harvick in the Chase Elliott situation where they were going at it um, for payback. And the other incident that I just thought of now is, is Denny Hamlin and Ross Chastain at – um, the St. Louis track. I can't whatever whatever that gateway. Yeah, gateway where he was making his life an absolute, you know, just miserable there for forever, and he's doing that on purpose. It's very obvious what he's doing. So if all of a sudden these, you know, moving forward, NASCAR wants to get into the gray again. They're going to put themselves in a really tough box if they're going to try to, like you said, police what they deem is intentional and what they deem is unintentional. So again, I, I don't think it's a good look for NASCAR. And as I mentioned earlier, these drivers need to police themselves. They have a way of, of gaining respect or, or getting payback. And that's just how it always has been. And, and I think that's how it needs to be. Now, if you do something that endangers a driver or, or, you know, puts the rest of the field in harm's way, then maybe NASCAR needs to step in at that point. But uh, again, this is not a good look uh, for NASCAR, in my opinion. Not directly related to the Cup Series, but wanted to see if you saw what happened with Josh Williams and the Xfinity race on Saturday. I don't know about you, Josh, but I thought this was absolutely fantastic and one of the greatest things I've seen in a long time in racing. So what happened is Josh Williams, he has an underfunded team. Uh, he's just one of those blue collar guys that, that works during the week to try to race during the weekend. And uh, he was involved in an early accident in Atlanta. They used a bunch of Barabon, uh, that tape to uh, put the fender back on as well as keep the hood down. And with, because of how cold it was, the tape was not sticking properly and apparently, as he was leaving pit road, some of the tape came off. And there's a really strange rule in the Xfinity series where essentially if anything comes off your car after a wreck, um, I don't know if it's from repairs or, or, or not, uh, but essentially that means you're parked for the rest of the race. Well, he was on the track. He, he disagreed with NASCAR 
uh, in the Xfinity series and, and that rule. So he decided to heck with it. I'm parking this thing at, at the start finish line. He parked it at the start finish line. He got out, walked to pit road, gave the crowd deuces and ended up getting called to the NASCAR hauler where he sat for three or four hours uh, until the race was over for the NASCAR officials to talk to him. I can only assume and imagine that he's going to get some type of fine as this is a way of kind of showing NASCAR up or the Xfinity series up, uh, which they are not fans of. Um, but with that being said, Danny Hamlin on Twitter came out and said, I will pay whatever fine he, he uh, receives from NASCAR uh, because Danny Hamlin, as well as numerous other drivers, and I'm sure thousands, if not tens of thousands of fans thought it was one of the coolest things ever. So as much as I disliked Danny Hamlin, I thought that was pretty cool of him to uh, come out and say, yeah, I'll pay, I'll pay his fine because uh, in the grand scheme of things, he probably should have been allowed to keep racing because it was just a piece of tape that fell off. Yeah, I saw the, the clip on Twitter and I was getting all kinds of notifications. So I clicked on it to see what it was. And I was like, this is awesome. I, I immediately felt like he's going to get a bunch of crap for this. People aren't going to like it. They're going to hate on it. But when I started reading the comments and, and seeing people quote tweet it, they were loving it. And then I saw Hamlin's uh, tweet saying he'll pay for it and, and all the support. And I was like, all right. So there, there is things are right in the world. <laughs> this guy can do, can do this and, and the, and people are going to support him. Uh, I don't know if you saw the clip though. He, he came off, uh, he came off of or onto pit road and the reporter was there and she was trying to ask him a question and he was like, yeah, I'll talk. And they pulled him as like, yeah, you got to get checked out because you're in an accident. Well, they didn't go to the care center. They went, like you said, to the, the NASCAR hauler. They just didn't want him to uh, to open his mouth anymore, I don't think. But uh, he actually was invited on to Door Bumper Clear for today's episode. I haven't had a chance to to check it out, but uh, it's it's been pretty cool, the, the reception and support that he's got. Yeah, and like I said, I, he's been in the Xfinity Series for a while. He drives an underfunded team where sponsors, you know, he has a hard time trying to find sponsorship. I really hope this turns into something really good and positive for him. I hope some sponsors sign up uh, and, and help get on that car because he's a pretty solid race car driver. It's just, he's so underfunded compared to the Joe Gibbs and the, and the junior motorsports of the Xfinity series. So hopefully something positive and good comes out of this and, and he can get some more sponsors for his car. What would be the best? sponsor for him to get like not money wise but just like fitting his personality and uh, i mean he looks he, he's got a sweet mullet so i mean marlboro would be a fantastic sponsor i was thinking your sponsor i was thinking i i went mullet too in my mind and i i thought joe dirt and then yeah. i so i then i was like skull like that would yeah. be a perfect get a nice can of skull on his hood <laughs> or or great clips I mean, a hair company. I mean, how great would that be? <laughs> I mean, that would be fantastic because that mullet is fly. So again, hopefully, hopefully he can get some more sponsors out of this because it definitely made, uh, made the media. Uh, and it's, it's a very, um, watched video out there on social media. Yeah. You figure NASCAR doesn't like this, but eh, they don't hate it either. 
Yeah, I think deep down inside they were probably laughing and you're like, oh, okay, now we got to. don't want everybody try. doing this, but yeah. <laughs> this we got to try to pretend like we're mad. All <laughs> right. right, don't do that again. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what they told him to holler. Listen, yeah. I got to pretend, walk out of here like you're crying. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, they asked him what he did in the holler for three hours. He goes, Well, I, I had a couple slices of pizza. It was like a meat lover's from Papa John's. Uh, I thought about taking a nap, but then I thought against it. It's probably a bad idea. So it sounded like he was in there. I mean, because all these all these drivers talk to these officials every single week. So it sounds like they're all pretty close. So I can only imagine the conversations that were being had in there before the officials came in. Be a fly on the wall in that holler. <laughs> uh, so let's look at the actual race and... The race at Atlanta, we talked about last week. Expectations were pretty low. After watching it, what'd you think? Well, I think the first two stages played out exactly like I expected. Uh, at these super speedway type tracks, it seems like the first two stages are really boring. The drivers just want to race on the high line, uh, just try to you know count the laps down, stay out of trouble, uh, wait to make their move. And then in stage three is when all the chaos erupted and, and made it entertaining to watch. So overall, I thought it was a better race uh, than the Atlanta races from last year that I can remember. Uh, but still, it's just it's just not my cup of tea. What are your thoughts? I don't know if this was because our expectations were so low. But it wasn't it was better than what would what I expected. Still not a great race mainly due to the first two stages, which you could have skipped. Uh, I do. I did like the uh, green flag pit stops that they had to do with that extended uh, pit road that we talked about last week. It's. It always, I didn't realize it was a, basically a two-lap penalty if you had speeding on, on pit road um, or in, any issue, you know, that, that made you go to the back. You basically lost two laps. Uh, the ending was fun to watch uh there's some good hard racing but overall just uh just an okay race i do want to ask you about um as i'm sitting here watching the race on sunday i obviously know money's involved in these races and they sell sponsorships and ads and things like that but why not shorten these races to like 200 miles instead of 400 miles where we can just the teams can have enough time to make some adjustments and and kind of jockey for some position, but then we get into the actual meat of the race. Why do we why do we draw it out so long, even with stages? It's just it, we could kind of condense this and make it more exciting. You're not alone in, in that in that thought. Uh, Dale Jr. has come out numerous times saying he wishes the races were shorter. There's no need to have these races this long, but as you mentioned, I think this is all based on uh, sponsorships, commercials on TV, as well as fans in the seats. Uh, put yourself in their in their shoes. You know, we've gone to plenty of NASCAR races now. Can you imagine going to a race where it's cut in half? The race is four hours or three and a half, whatever it is, and now it's an hour and a half or two hours. To me, that would seem pretty short if you're you know, taking off vacation, you're spending all kinds of money to travel and you go there and, and it's a two hour race. To me, that's just not a, enough bang for your buck. I do agree that a lot of these races do need shortened. 
but again, I think this is all based on on sponsors and money, and I, and I don't know if that will ever happen. Two questions. One, has it always been this way with the lengths of the races, or have they gradually gotten longer? And would you rather have a longer race where the product isn't as great, overall product, or would you have a shorter race where you know it's two hours and the excitement is you know condensed we go to basketball games and those are two hours so it's not unrealistic but i get what you're saying about making a trip of it i don't know it it just seems to me like that would be an easy fix for for some of these longer boring races yeah i, I definitely think there's probably five to seven races on the schedule like the coca-cola 600 it doesn't need to be 600 miles long like make it the coca-cola 400 uh the Talladega race, they, the Daytona race, you know, if you want to make the Daytona 500 that long, that's fine. But then the race in the summer is 400 miles. Like, let's shorten that. So, you know, there's examples out there that, yeah, you probably could shorten the races and they'd be just fine. But uh, the, the races have been long and they've always been long. And, and uh, again, I don't see them changing. But to answer your second question, of course, I'd rather have a shorter race and have it just be intense the entire time versus a long drawn out race where it's boring for the first half and then somewhat exciting in the second half. But again, I think it's all stems to NASCAR and being able to sell uh, the, the NASCAR product to the media and, and to broadcast networks. And these networks aren't going to pay hundreds of millions or billions of dollars to have a race that's half as long as what it used to be just because that's less eyes and less potential dollars in their pockets at the end of the day. Unless the races are better and more people are watching, but obviously but, but, if, but it's not as long. Yeah. But yeah, I, know. I mean, it's, and let's be honest, it's if, a good argument. if they could make, if they could make money doing that, they would have already done it. Like let's look at the storylines from the race. We mentioned on, we touched on it uh, before, pit road the changes uh for the pit road entrance made it really really long and it was something to watch all race this was by far the most unique pit road setup that i've ever seen in nascar to this point uh you had it entered in turn three and during green flag pit stops like you said drivers would go two laps down under green so if you if you had a penalty you would essentially almost go four laps down by the time you got all the way back around and through um, I thought there'd be more pit road issues and pit road speeding penalties than what we saw, especially with the lack of practice at Atlanta, but the drivers fared, uh, pretty well, in my opinion, with how unique that pit road entrance was, as well as how slow they had to go. I think they had to go 45 miles an hour, uh, all the way around, which just looked painfully slow on TV. There were videos of, of the cars driving around turn turns three and four going to pit road and it it was it was very interesting to see the the uh the cars zooming by them uh, did you like the the change to pit road yes and no uh again <laughs> this I, guy can't make a decision well, so the reason what, pick a side <laughs> the yes is it added to a storyline to a race that was otherwise fairly boring for, for almost the entirety of the race. So that gave me as a fan, something to pay attention to. Like I have to watch these green flag pit stops because I want to see who gets docked for speeding. I want to see who has issues because essentially that almost takes them out of the race. So that's the, yes, the no, this is the only race 
hopefully that has this because it was painfully slow for these drivers one and two uh, it just seemed really odd that essentially they're they're doing half of the entire racetrack at 45 miles an hour going to pit road i understand the logic of trying to move this uh from a safety aspect um but to me i really like the old way and and i think it would have it would have caused for a little bit more drama than what we saw just because of how fast they were going and how fast they would have had to gone or or got to pit road speed um without having you know any issues so i'm indifferent to it but i really hope that uh they don't add this to any other tracks the rest of the year cuz i really uh didn't think it it was necessary i'm going to add to the clip show this year a whole segment of of you going Yes and no. Yes and no. <laughs> not a not a single opinion that uh, the mayor is... has to be PC and play both sides. It's just that's just how it is. Well, I liked it. I thought it was something different. I don't want to see every track do this, but something unique, something different for the drivers to have to kind of manage. And like you said, the stakes were were huge for the speeding penalties. Um, you know, if you got nabbed for speeding, you're you're two laps down. Well, speaking of nabbed for speeding, Norton's boy, Ryan Blaney, got nabbed for speeding. And I thought it was his day was done because he ended up going three laps down. But the cautions at the end of the race saved his bacon. Uh, and he ended up finishing an impressive seventh. So it kind of shows even if you did get penalized for speeding, if if you kept your car clean and you stayed out there, especially at super speedway type races, you're probably going to get back on the lead lap with the number of cautions down the stretch. Uh, so it was a very Blaney-ish type day. And uh, unfortunately, he still finished in the top 10 with those type of penalties. Pretty sure he uh, finished in the top 10 with two wrecks at Daytona. So that's just his new MO for super speedways. We're rolling with it. I think that's just Blaney's thing. He makes a mistake in the beginning puts himself out of contention and then somehow just kind of finds his way back to the, to the front, but never really challenging for the win. So it's uh, Blaney fans interested. Very, very (laughs) Blaney. Um, The, so we, we talked about the first two stages being pretty boring. The first real action that we saw was in stage three when uh, Harvick and Chastain kind of came together maybe at the at the front of the pack there this was a dagger for some fantasy teams including mine who have harvick and byron and some other guys that were caught up but essentially they were going into the corner and chastain so harvick was leading chastain was behind him chastain was being a little bit aggressive with the bump drafting but it's nothing out of the ordinary at these super speedway type races and for whatever reason uh Chastain it it looked like he didn't even touch him and the interview from Harvick said yeah I don't think he touched me but based on Chastain with how hard he was going from like right to left and left to right trying to keep his car under control he thinks it just moved the air enough to get Harvick loose well at a super speedway when the leader spins out in front of the rest of the field it's never going to end well and so it took out Harvick Byron Busher some big names in NASCAR and really fast cars at Atlanta. Uh, like I said, Harvick, he, he was interviewed, wasn't mad at all, said, 
you know, it is super speedway racing. It is what it is. He doesn't feel like Chastain got into him. Uh, so there's no hard feelings there. Uh, but when it first happened, the first thought that went through my head is Chastain just caused another wreck. When is this guy going to learn how to race correctly in NASCAR? Um, but you watch the replay. doesn't look like you got into him. So I'm going to give uh, Chastain a free pass on that one. The broadcast was very quick to blame Chastain and then especially Boyer. And then they showed the replay. He did not touch him. There was no, uh, there was no bumping there. So uh, how does Harvick know that so quickly? Does someone tell him and watch the replay and tell him, or does he just feel that in the car and know he didn't hit me? I think these drivers have such a good feel of their cars that he, he kind of knew right away, in my opinion, that, yeah, uh, I lost control or yeah, he got into me and, and basically lifted my rear tires up. So I think it's just a feel thing. And these drivers, they've been doing this thing for so long, especially Harvick. I mean, he's he's a wily old vet out there. So he, he has a pretty good understanding of what went on. And, and I think he explained it correctly. The next accident happened with Eric Almarola, who had a pretty fast car all day, but he uh, was on older tires and then it all went wrong. Another example of a leader leading the front of the pack at a super speedway race and having issues. Uh, he blew a tire, so nothing of his doing, but he blew a tire while leading and uh, unfortunately collected Kyle Larson and, and Daniel Suarez. So two more pretty popular fantasy guys uh, caught up in this wreck. Uh, Suarez, uh, you know, had a DNF because of the tire issue. And then Kyle Larson just had a horrible hit. I don't know if you kept watching the wreck or the replay, but he had a bad uh, impact on the driver's side uh, into the front stretch wall. Luckily he got, you know, walked out of the car and was completely fine, but just another tough racing incident at a super speedway race. And this is a little different than what we saw last year, right? Cause he was, he had pushed these tires past where they typically get pushed right because he was he stayed out or didn't take tires for the pit stop yeah a lot of drivers were ch were changing two tires most of the time if not doing no no tires and just fuel only so it's not out of the ordinary on these super speedway tracks to do that especially at atlanta when the surface is fairly new it, it it's brand new it actually you know it's it, but it's aged rapidly because of of the weather in atlanta uh, but it's not out of the ordinary for teams to do that. And if you think back to Atlanta, I'm pretty sure the first race at Atlanta last year, there were a lot of issues with tires because the teams were running them way too low and, and it caused a lot of flat tire issues. So um, I think that was the only flat tire incident that I can recall that kind of just happened out of the blue. And unfortunately for Amarola, he was leading the race with not a lot left uh, lap wise. Uh, and that ended, uh, you know, ended his day. Well, the last 10 laps tried to make up for the rest of the race because they were some good racing, some hard racing and was was very fun to watch. Yeah, I don't know about you, Josh, but those last 10 laps were were really fun to watch. And I was pulling for Brad Keselowski or Corey LaJoy. I kind of wanted to see a a different driver win. You know, Brad Keselowski's really, in my opinion, RFK is light years ahead of where they were last year. They're really fast this year, and they're starting to get some really good, consistent results. 
And then Corey LaJoy, uh, Stacking Pennies podcast, seems like a really cool guy, driving in, you know, an underfunded race car, really good at these super speedway races. And last year, he, he had a, really, a solid chance to win. Uh, still ended up finishing in the top five or top 10, if memory serves me right. But Chase Elliott kind of put him up into the wall. It was a clean block, but a, a late block at that. Or, or else Corey LaJoy might have won last year. But uh, Logano had a rocket ship of a car. He ended up pulling off a really good pass on Brad, Ke- Brad Keselowski with, uh, I, I don't know, if it, I can't remember if it was a white flag or two laps to go and ended up winning the race because of that. But what I thought was really cool at the end of this is, Keselowski was interviewed after the race and he's like, we raced side by side for 40 laps. And we just proved to everybody that one, it's possible. And two, you can do it when you have two guys that respect each other. They're old teammates. They've known each other for a long time. And I thought that was pretty cool because they could have been really, really dirty and really, really aggressive with the side drafting and made each other's lives pretty pretty terrible but they race clean they race hard and they put on a hell of a show for the last 40 laps uh and and the last 10 laps were even crazier i would have been okay with brad k i uh his his spotter tj majors they had him on the the broadcast and listening to him go obviously listening to door bumper clear and so that was pretty impressive you know his his spotting on those super speedways and obviously Corey LaJoy, like you mentioned, underfunded team. Always like to see some of those those guys win. And speaking of Corey LaJoy, he is 14th in points right now. 14th in points. Um, and guess what value he is in NASCAR fantasy? Eight. He is not on our list. Oh, that's right. He's not I don't on, think yeah. he's on the list. Not a not a fantasy driver. 14th in points. Yeah, he's having a heck of a start to the season. We'll see if it can continue, but uh, if, if it does, he might be uh, parlaying this into a new new driver's seat next year with a better team. Where would that be? Where would, would that be the four? I the first the first team that comes to mind to me is Stuart Haas Racing. Uh, you know, Elmarola's basically racing year by year. Harvick's retiring. Ryan Priest, I think he signed a multi-year deal. Uh, so that's that seat's filled and Briscoe's filled. But you've potentially had two open seats at Stuart Haas. And again, we, we've talked about this in past podcasts. The Xfinity Series, from a talent standpoint, has been pretty rated over the last couple of years. And there's really no driver that truly stands out that says, yes, this guy warrants a, a NASCAR ride next year. So that's something for us and for our listeners to uh, – keep tabs on as the season goes on is is maybe Corey LaJoy parlays this in, in, into a, a better ride and in a more funded ride because he definitely has the talent uh, to do it. He just needs some better equipment. It's a situation of when, not if, he gets to the upgraded ride. So keep an eye on, on what Corey LaJoy does for the rest of the year. Recapping the stages, stage one, Logano, Stage two, Austin Sindrick. Your winner is Logano, and Logano led the most laps with 140, with most of those coming in the first uh, few stages there. Let's look ahead to Jeff Gluck's poll. So this one, to me, seemed a little bit low as much as I dislike Atlanta, but it's unsurprising in the grand scheme of things to me. 
52% of fans said, yes, it was a good race. Uh, if you look back at last year, 68.5% of fans thought it was a good race. So I'm kind of in the opposite camp as this poll. I thought this race was better than last year's race. Uh, but for whatever reason, fans just really weren't uh, a big, big lovers of this spring race at Atlanta. How much of that do you think is the previous races factoring in and adding up to, you know, this, they're not looking at it just at, at, at Atlanta. They're saying, well, crap, these last few races have just sucked. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's a mix of everything. Last year's races, the races we've seen this year. Uh, and then just the first two stages were so boring, just super, super boring. So I, I think that definitely played into this uh, poll being as low as it is. Well, that's it for the race. Let's look at how this impacted all of our fantasy standings. All right. So real quick, your fantasy fantasy stats for Atlanta. You get a low score of 13 points by Andrew McLaughlin. A high score of 130 points by R. Helms number one. That's I, at Ryan Helms one on Twitter. And just for a point of reference there, he is the gentleman that had the low score last week. So he went from low score to high score. Average score, Atlanta, 77 points. That falls basically between what we've seen historically for fantasy points at Atlanta. Running down your top 10. In 10th, you have CDB. Ninth, Bryce Michaels, number two, at Das Bryson on Twitter. Eighth place is Adam Studer, number two. Seventh place, dropping from first, Zach Dick, number three, at ZJD88 on Twitter. Sixth Aww. place. Yeah. You so take sorry a moment to of silence that, for that, Zach. As I pointed out, Willie Byron, Kevin Harvick, both wrecked. I knew this was going to be a high score. And I was surprised that I stayed in the top 10 with how high my score was, to be honest. Yeah, over 100 points and you stayed in the top 10. That's that's a dangerous team. Uh, sixth place, you got WR0MOF0BES. Uh, fifth, I hate NASCAR. That is at Tracy N. 555-73739. Fourth, Mark Hansen. Our favorite Twitter handle. I love it. <laughs> Fourth place is Mark Hansen. Third is nailed it at J Lee Stewart underscore 88. And we have a tie for first place this week. Nancy J. Krejci and Pat Brosnahan, who is a rookie. Going into your biggest fantasy risers this week. Andrew McLaughlin, we mentioned him with 13 points at Atlanta. He moved up 110 spots from 128th place to 18th. Ryan Brosh moves up 93 spots from 157th to 64th place. And third biggest mover is kicking the tires at Jerry Jordan underscore KTT on Twitter. Moved up 88 spots from 177th place to 89th. Your biggest fallers after Atlanta are Helms number one at Ryan Helms one. Dropped 100 spots from P16 to P116. Team Malibu at D Chamber 72 dropped 86 spots from P20 to P106. And Cassidy Willis dropped 76 spots from P51 to P127. Going into your fantasy drivers, your top five through Atlanta. Alex Bowman is in first. Kyle Busch, Christopher Bell, Joey Logano, and Ross Chastain rounds up your top five. And your bottom five. Five fantasy drivers after Atlanta. 
Chase Briscoe, Noah Gregson, Ryan Priest, Eric Almarola, and Harrison Burton. All right, moving into your top 10 rookies. You have Team Beer and P22 tied with Bobby Bannock, also P22. 19th place, Julian Austin. That's our buddy from D's Lug Nuts. 18th place, Andrew McLaughlin. Michael Reller is in 17th place. Your fifth best rookie is Ron Hendrickson in 11th place. CDB in 10th. You have nailed it in third. And your number one rookie at the moment is Pat Brosnahan, who is also in first place. And that is your fantasy recap after Atlanta. So storylines for this week. First thing that jumps out at me is we are still seeing 100-point swings up and down after five weeks. I know we've talked about it. When is it going to slow down? If it's going to slow down? I kind of thought we would see a little bit of a uh, uh, slowdown there with that, but we are still seeing some some big swings. Uh, our leader, I got to shout out my mother-in-law, Nancy Krejci. She is at the top of the standings. She went from, literally went from last to first between last year and this year. So shout out to Nancy. Maybe we got to get her on the podcast and, uh, you know, she can relish in her, uh, her lead. So far after five weeks, we've had six teams that have uh, been in the lead, including Zach who led two weeks in a row. So that's, we don't have really any dominant teams kind of have some, some teams moving up and down and new leaders each week. So keeping it interesting. We had one swap this past week, which was Chase Elliott for Kyle Larson. or They, they swapped out Chase Elliott and added Kyle Larson. So we've kind of seen the swaps kind of calm down here. People that have swapped out Elliott are going to swap out Elliott, have kind of done so at this point, I think. Yeah, we've got 35 total swaps or people who have swapped out Elliot, and this week we only had one. So since his injury, I think what this is a third race out. So we saw most of the swaps come in the first two races. Uh, definitely slowed down this week. Maybe they like that top 10 by Josh Berry, feeling a little more confident. Well, and I think he got a top 15 this last week. So he's, uh, I mean, he's not winning. He's not, you know, in top fives or getting any stage wins, but He's definitely holding his own these last couple of races. We've only got two teams in the top 20 that have Chase Elliott still on their team. Pretty telling. Obviously, him not racing is a, a huge piece of that, and we'll kind of see what happens with these teams if and when he comes back and what kind of races he actually uh, – or what kind of results he can actually uh, achieve with that car. And then took off a week, but – your boy is back in last place, 207th out of 207. Just uh, back to where this team belongs, I guess. At the I think bottom. it was a great week. Zach lost his top spot. You're back in last. This is good. I'm, I'm enjoying the way this is looking. We didn't mention any Norton's team. So they say no publicity is, is bad publicity. So, you know. Yeah, we'll I'll wait just... to bring up anything at driver picks. Um, anything else guys jump out at you fantasy wise, anything you want to bring up so, real quick, Chase Elliott, uh, we mentioned, you know, whether or not to swap him, he is 
Josh Berry, Chase Elliott, currently running nine spots below where he's valued. So obviously 20-point value, uh, he is running as an 11 value right now. So still probably room to argue that a swap is warranted. But again, every week that goes by, you're closer to getting them back. So if you can hang on to it, but two teams in the top 20 doesn't look like people are hanging on to it very well. The biggest thing to me is, is they've thrown out a recovery or return timetable that I don't think is realistic. So that, that to me is the wild card. If he does come back, I don't think he's going to be even close to a hundred percent. And we know how hard these cars are to drive. I just don't see him having good results for probably a minimum of four to six weeks, even when he gets back in the car. So when you factor that in, I just, I mean, that's almost half a season. If he does somehow come back on time and, and starts having really good results, then then more power to those teams that have Chase Elliott on their team and stuck with them. But I just don't see how this ends well or goes well for Chase Elliott uh, from a return timetable standpoint. I will be interested and maybe we can get our commissioner to to run the numbers here. But when the season's over, to take the teams that swapped him out, like and what their points would have been if they didn't swap him out, uh, and see if it was actually a good move or or not. Because we really don't know. He could come back yep. and win a bunch of races and and then still make up for it. But uh, as a twenty point driver, there's only one way to go, and that's that's down. And you hope it's not down to eleven for the whole year. Yep, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. All right, we close the book on Atlanta. And we move on to the Echo Park Automotive Grand Prix. Yes, it is our first road course race of 2023. It is at the Circuit of Americas in Austin, uh, which is Austin, Texas, not Austin, Massachusetts. And it is known as... Does somebody think that it's Austin, Massachusetts? I was just pretending to be Tom Green there. Hopefully someone (laughs) caught that reference. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, anyways, Austin, Texas, Coda, first road course race. Uh, I got three quick Zach's facts for you. Zach's fact number one, the track surface was built in layers and it took four months to lay. The final layer is made up of an aggregate that was sourced from multiple spots in Texas. So I don't, I don't normally know how these tracks are made, but the fact that it was built in layers to me seems like it's some sort of different construction than we normally see at these racetracks. So I thought that was interesting. Zach's fact number two, turn one is the signature t- corner at Coda. Uh, you go down the straightaway, you go past the checkered or the, the start uh, finish line and you go up a pretty sharp incline before a hard left turn. So for you listeners out there that watch the races uh, on the weekends, pay attention to corner one during this race because that is considered calamity corner at Kota. Your last Zach's fact of the night, the first lap of Kota was completed by the legendary Mario Andretti. So he kind of christened the track. World famous driver will go down as one of the greatest racers of all time, but he uh, took the first lap at Coda, which I thought was pretty cool. In regards to the race expectations for the weekend, 
in my opinion, Coda is a fun road course. Uh, it has multiple passing areas and large runoff areas. So if cars do get wrecked or they spin out, they should be able to keep going and not get stuck in gravel or, or mud like a Sonoma or a Watkins Glen, if uh, you remember those tracks. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, because if you remember, NASCAR got rid of the true stage race cautions for these road course races. Uh, you still will accrue and, and win stage points at that point, but they are not going to throw a caution. And so where I think this is going to get rid really interesting, uh, especially at Coda, is because of the large runoff areas and um, areas that basically these drivers can wreck and they can gather it back up and get going. If you don't have a lot of cautions, you make one mistake and you're probably not going to sniff a top 10 uh, unless there truly is a lot of cautions, which I don't anticipate. So that is something to pay attention to and think about. I think starting up front at this weekend's race is going to be very, very important and probably more important than years past because there is no stage cautions like in years past. When looking at the last two races and the only two races at Coda, uh, the drivers with the best finishes, Chase Elliott, to no surprise, leads all average finishers with a 2.5 average finish. Ross Chastain is tied for first as well at a 2.5, so that, that was uh, a little surprising to me. Uh, third place, Alex Bowman, 5.0. Tyler Reddick, fourth at 7.0. And Michael McDowell a sneaky road course racer with an average finish of 10th at Coda. And looking at last year's spring race specifically, Ross Chastain won it in a last lap pass uh, against Alex Bowman and AJ Allmendinger. If you remember that, that was Trackhouse's first win. Pretty exciting. Bowman finished second. Christopher Bell finished third. Elliott finished fourth. And Tyler Reddick finished fifth. Moving on to our picks for the race. Last week, I had Ross Chastain. Zach had Willie Byron. Norton picked his boy, Ryan Blaney. And I got to be honest with you, when uh, the wreck happened and Ross Chastain was in the front and William Byron was done, in my head, Blaney was done because he had the, the penalty in the beginning. I thought, wow, four in a row. This is going to be sweet. Uh, Ryan Blaney had some some other ideas and <laughs> gets our boy Norton on the board the fifth week. He doesn't get skunked. I got to tell you, it's been a long time since I've wanted to punch something watching the NASCAR race. When he got that penalty for speeding on pit road, oh, man, it was close. But <laughs> like we talked about, he's Blaney. It's just what he does. That's his thing at super speedways. And I want to point out, I, I know we gave Norton a lot of crap last week and the week before about, about his picks and being last and not getting any right. And that was fun. But he's got a pick now. And I just want to call out, Zach, your picks have been pretty awful. So yes, you won have. the first week with Bubba Wallace, but he yep. finished 20th. The rest of your drivers, 20th, 19th, 14th, 24th, 32nd. Garbage. That's not great. Yeah. That's not good. I wasn't gonna talk. I wasn't gonna talk any trash until I got on the board with a win. Now <laughs> you haven't picked a top ten, man. 
Well, in my defense, I was gonna I was taking Kyle Bush at Fontana if if Josh didn't pick him. So that is the like the one anomaly, but all of my other drivers have been trash. So I've got about 10 drivers in mind, and it doesn't matter who I pick because it's gonna suck. <laughs> that oh, I that can't is wait fair. to see you spin that wheel. Yeah, that I are am you, are I'm you very... doing your are you doing your stand-up comedy show at the West Side or where are you doing where are you doing it at? I'm actually uh, not partaking in any of the postseason extracurricular activities. Uh, so let's hope one of you finishes last to give our viewers something to follow. I just think that Molly's super excited to have that calendar up all year. Right in the dining room. The in-laws come over. I'll put that baby on a billboard. <laughs> Now we're talking. Oh. <laughs> you, you might have, have. I know we have a, a limit. To we can the get some funding this, for that. But <laughs> the reason why the reason why I said that, man, Norton in his whitey tighties on a billboard along I eighty. What a sight to be seen! Be careful what you wish for, Zachy. <laughs> <laughs> that I might throw that up on the uh, on the board or the wheel for my my suggestion because that. <laughs> I don't I mean, know how much a billboard is, but it's can't be that expensive. Be way out of our price point. Hold on. Um, I want to. I want to actually see how much a billboard is. I bet it's down to ten percent, boys. You're down, bet down it's to ten percent. Thousands of dollars. Yeah, started at sixty. Let me go see if I can find a charger. Oh. Hang on. Well, let's not waste. How much is a billboard? You'd have to leave it up for the whole, the whole month. <laughs> Dude, I, I'm the thinking, average I think cost like, is three grand. I was gonna say, I bet it's for around five thousand dollars. That I mean, that's not even in the realm of possibilities. If we you know can it's not two hundred and seven fantasy entries, we might be able to recruit a billboard from our Twitter followers. But you know what? So even if we didn't do a billboard, you know what is cheaper? One of those park benches that are, you know, <laughs> on the corners of like 144th and center. Just saying. What a, what a great, what a great uh, re- way to drive people to the top of pitbox.com. But, you know, put, uh, put Zach with his hair slicked back on a, on no, a, on Norton, a park bench. Norton on that park bench would cause a lot of wrecks because <laughs> that's for sure. A good looking no stuff like that. Uh, all right let's get into let's pick this week so the order is for this week is me norton zach so with the first pick i am going to write the shift and pick correct again because i i got off my hendrick motorsports uh bandwagon picked ross chastain lost i'm not going to make that mistake again kyle larson is my pick for Coda. Norton, you're up. All right. I'm going with, surprisingly, the second best road course driver since 2020, Chris Buescher. Wow. I did not think you you guys were taking either of those two drivers. You got your pick then. You have eight other drivers to pick. Who's finishing 30th this week, Zach? Tell us. And, <laughs> and your 
31st place finisher this weekend at Coda is drum roll, please. Drum roll, please. They cut all this out. <laughs> Drum roll, please. I don't Did know. Did we take your that. drivers? He doesn't know. What he doesn't know. know. <laughs> it's eight guys. Doesn't Josh, matter. I wish that you just would have told him we were doing this. I mean, it's amazing. He had. He literally said he had ten drivers to pick from. I and I have eight put left. Him in a hat here. <laughs> put him in this hat, and you can pick him out of this hat. I'm okay. I I'm gonna burn this driver as i don't think i'm going to use him probably the rest of the year i'm going to go with aj allmendinger road course ringer he has not had a very good season this year but he's got to start performing well and it starts this weekend at coda it's a good pick yeah long that's enough, good. but it's a good pick well josh is going to add all that stuff out so it's not a big deal <laughs> I'll leave it in. Everyone can just see how long it takes you to make picks. You left me scrambling. I did not think. Were you going to pick Kyle Busher Larson? And Kyle Larson were going to be your two picks. I literally... Those were your two picks? No, I Busher was on my radar. Kyle Larson, I'm trying to save him for later down the season. But yeah. I have like six other people I was going to try to figure out. And I just took a little extra minute to figure it out all right so there are your picks kyle larson busher and almondinger on the road course here at coda any final thoughts before we end for the week or end for the night i just hope aj almondinger cracks the top 10 because these picks have been horrendous for me this year as probably the most knowledgeable NASCAR guy on this podcast, it's not been pretty. Yeah. I mean, the idiot's winning. So only one of us is dead last in fantasy, though. That's true. That's true. <laughs> that, yeah. I, I can't even, I don't even know what to say to that. I just have to take <laughs> it. It sucks. <laughs> I really hate it. All right, gentlemen. Good talking with you. Enjoy the race this week, and we'll be back to recap Coda on Monday night. Hey, guys. Sounds good. See ya. The Atop the Pit Box podcast is supported by ParadiseExecutiveProperties.com. Now is a great time to book a trip to Lake of the Ozarks, and Paradise Executive Properties has you covered. They have several modern and fully furnished homes that sleep up to 19 people, so bring your friends and family down to create a memory that will last a lifetime. For more information or to book your reservation today, visit ParadiseExecutiveProperties.com. It's no days off. Take no breaks. You in my lane. You in my way. You cross that line. It ain't your day. I lost my mind. I need my spot.